right now joining me live is Eric Bramer, play-by-play voice of the Blue Wahoos. You heard him all season long right here on ESPN Pensacola. Eric, how are you doing? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. So, uh, obviously, the great news that the Wahoos get the job done. Uh, their back's against the wall. Two times over the course of this postseason, they win the first outright championship in uh, team history. What was the environment like right after the game was done and everybody's celebrating you know, with champagne and you're getting doused in alcohol and all that stuff? It was pretty great. You know, and I'm one of the few people who, when the game is over, when the final pitch is thrown, I still have work to do. So it mm. was a, an interesting process for me because you continue the broadcast, you come back with the totals, you treat it almost like it's any other game. All right, the Blue Wahoos scored 11 runs on 10 hits with one error and seven men left on. But once we left the air, uh, we wanted to sync up uh, the ESPN Pensacola call with the video highlight to get that out. Um, uh, the Tennessee broadcast did a great job, but of course they weren't as excited as I was, uh, and we wanted the clip with the hometown uh, call on it. Uh, once we finally got down, uh, it was pretty great. Uh, I believe that there was a speech from the manager, Kevin Randall. I wasn't there for that, but by the time I got down, uh, there was a lot of beer and champagne that had been sprayed, and there was uh, still a couple more saved for me. So it was it was a lot of fun. Great. That, that is awesome. And and people were able to hear that call yesterday. I played it for him. Plus the grand slam from Kobe Fletcher Vance. I mean, what yeah. a what a momentum swing there. I mean, you're, you're down a run, and then you get that grand slam, and all of a sudden you're up on top by three. But that's the way it's been all season long. You mm. know, this Blue Wahoos team uh, has had a really, really good season, obviously, when you hoist a trophy at the end of it. It's a good season. But so often they've fallen behind early and they've had to come back late. Uh, in the regular season, they had nine walk-off wins at home in a game, uh, in a season that had only 69 games at home. Uh, so, I mean, that's a pretty good ratio in terms of how many of your wins are come from behind wins or even walk-off wins. Even though the Blue Wahoos trailed in three of their four playoff wins, uh, they were able to win the back half of the ball game, and that's usually how good playoff teams do it. How, how much of that do you think played into the fact that they had obviously been there, done that? I'm sure that, that that Smoke had brought that up at some point. Like, hey, guys, we've been here before, and we've gotten out on top, and we can do it again here. Yeah, no, that's definitely part of it. Um, this team really wasn't playing well going into the playoffs, and they lost game one in the division series on the road in Montgomery. They looked pretty flat through the first half of game two, but that they were able to come back that first playoff win, game two of the division series, uh, I use the phrase, you use the phrase with their backs against the wall. It really was. They were four innings away from their season coming to a close. But once they won that game two in front of the fans and Nassim Nunez uh, ended up hitting the game-winning home run in the eighth inning of that game, once they had that one, I think it was fresh in everyone's memory. Okay, we can do this. We can come back. Mm. And they won late in game three of the division series. They trailed in game two and three of the championship series. But uh, I, they had the confidence that when the bell rang, they would answer it, and uh, sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, certainly, and again, that is the first uh, outright championship. They had, they had the co-championship not too long ago, but uh, to get the first outright one is, is great. And, of course, you were calling all the games all year. Is that? I'm assuming that was your favorite moment of the season, but, but over the course of the year, wh what were things that you really enjoyed about broadcasting this year for the Blue Wahoos? Well, first, you mentioned the 2017 championship, and uh, we have made a distinction. This is the first outright championship, the first championship that they celebrated on the field. 
But I, I think we've all been reminded this week the potency of a hurricane, and uh, that right. was that was what caused the premature end to the 2017 season. And that was a really good team with a couple major league all stars on it: Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley. Uh, so don't want to take anything away from that team or the broadcasters that uh, called it. Uh, speaking of this year, uh, Yuri Perez, from day one, we knew he was going to be special. And uh, sure enough, uh, he was special pretty much every time he came out. Uh, he had a little bit of a hiccup in the second half with an injury, but we saw in the championship game what he can do when he is healthy. He struck out the first eight guys he faced <laughs> and was just slicing and dicing through a pretty good Tennessee offense. So Yuri Perez is someone that I'll remember from this season. Troy Johnston for about a week and a half in late May and early June was the hottest hitter on the planet and uh, delivered a couple of those walk-off wins. The one walk-off win that I'll probably remember was not a walk-off hit. It was a walk-off hit-by-pitch. Those four straight hit-by-pitches in <laughs> early June. And, of course, you know, I didn't do anything. I didn't have anything to do with it, for that matter. The Blue Wahoos didn't have much to do with it. <laughs> right. They just stood and let it happen. But that went viral online and we still you know i i've got uh one of the keys to the the social media accounts we still get notifications as that continues wow. to make the rounds hey the blue wahoos won on four straight <laughs> hit by pitches but you know everything gets ratcheted up come playoff time and uh the championship was obviously a very special moment i think the game three win of the division series in front of the home fans mm. scoring a run with two outs in the bottom of the eighth and then sean reynolds who really came into his own uh, late in the season to be on the mound, uh, pinch hitter, sending one to the wall, Thomas Jones, who's been here all season long, uh, making the catch at the wall. Uh, that was a pretty electric atmosphere at the ballpark, and to share it with the Blue Wahoos fans, that championship, I think was really, really special. You know, So you, you mentioned Yuri, and we'll, and we'll get to him a little bit more in a second, but the – the ins and outs of everybody, you know, you've got so many different transactions going on. Of course, you're, and I talked to Smoke about this early in the year, you're, you're kind of, at, you're at the mercy of the Marlins, you know, whatever they want to do, they, they want to take Yuri out and they want to put him on the aisle. They, they want him to make sure he's healthy. You have to kind of deal with it. You've got guys, of course, getting called up to AAA, guys sent down uh, to high end. You're dealing with all those things. What do you think it says about Kevin Randall and his ability to still, you know, gather the troops and get everybody ready to play and also the players to, to step in and, and almost the next man up mentality. It's a matter of professionalism, and I think you know a manager like Kevin, we call him Smoke in the clubhouse, he's done this for many years, and so he knows that you can't overreact to a good first half. You can't overreact to a tough loss here and there. You just need to stay the course and uh, you know keep a steady hand on the wheel, and with all the roster turnover that we had, especially in the second half, that he was able to keep the team pointed in the right direction and press the buttons uh, when the time came. Uh, you know, I think that really speaks to his ability to act when it's necessary, but also not to act when you don't want mm. to press the panic button. Yeah, and again, there there's a little bit of a delicacy there. So, Yuri Perez, do we see him in a Wahoos uniform again? Or, or uh, after, after what we've seen, it, it doesn't seem as if he is going to be back unless it's, God forbid, a, a rehab start for him. Yeah, I, it's not my decision, obviously. Um, <laughs> and uh, we saw plenty to suggest that he uh, is capable of getting advanced hitters out because of his stuff. And I think a, an easy way to describe it to someone who isn't necessarily keyed into the everyday rhythms of minor league baseball, if he wanted to, he could probably have had an ERA of three instead of four this year. 
But this year, working with an experienced pitching coach in Dave Island, uh, they really had him address his weaknesses and mm. work on some things that might not have immediately benefited him but will make him a better pitcher in the long run. Uh, so that, I think, explains some of the struggles that we saw in the second half. You get to the playoffs, and then you see him just rattle off eight straight strikeouts to begin a Game 3 championship game. You're like, okay, that is him trying to get batters out, yep. and that looks pretty good, and I think he's probably ready for the next level, if not the major leagues, very soon. Do, do, you, do you think he makes that MLB debut at some point next year? I do. I do. I think if he stays healthy, uh, hopefully, uh, for everyone's sake, the Marlins have a much more competitive season, and winning teams make decisions based around can you help us win. I think Yuri Perez can help a competitive Marlins team win at the major league level, uh, whether that is as an every fifth day starter, given his lack of experience, I don't know. But, you know, he can get major league hitters out. I'm pretty sure of that. And if there comes a point next year, either with a winning team or a rebuilding team in Miami, I think that they will want to see what he can do against the best. Speaking to Eric Bramer, the play-by-play voice of the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. You're going to be staying in town here over the course of the offseason. What what are some of the things that you're going to be involved with? You have obviously a little bit more downtime to enjoy Pensacola and be out and about. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, fans will see more of me in the community than I've been able to do during the season just because I've been at the ballpark and I've mm-hmm. been on the road uh, for the entirety of the season. But uh, I now have a trophy that I have at least partial custody of, and we're going <laughs> to be sure to get that out in, in the public eye. We're going to be doing a lot of school visits, a lot of civic appearances. Uh, if any listeners have a group that they'd like the Blue Wahoos to appear at, you know, uh, this upcoming Tuesday I'm speaking at uh, the Milton Rotary Club. Stuff like that. Great. Just, you know, continuing to get out in the community. And then as we turn the calendar to 2023, we're going to be doing a lot of very cool stuff, preparing for the upcoming season. Some of it will have to do with celebrating that championship that we just won. But, you know, working on the promotional schedule, working Mm on uh, getting fans out to the ballpark, maybe fans who haven't experienced the Blue Wahoos yet. We're all about outreach into the community. And, uh, you know, the mission statement is improving the lives of people in the Pensacola community. Whatever we can do to do that under the Blue Wahoos banner, I'll be a part of it. Absolutely spectacular. So I want to take an aside from the Wahoos here for a second and look at the the state of baseball here. Uh, well, I guess it does kind of involve the Wahoos, but but you have the pitch clock coming into the bigs. You have you know the, the whole uh, getting rid of the shift deal. How do you think having, of course, the pitch clock in the minors? How, how do you think that transition is going to be moving to the major leagues? Uh, it'll be a little bit awkward at first, especially for the major league veterans who have never experienced it. But there's so much roster churn uh, on the bottom halves of these major league rosters. These young guys have come up and they've experienced it before and uh so as long as the player pool is composed at least partially of people who have experienced all this before i don't think it's going to be a catastrophic adjustment uh you know having seen it for an entire season now i think i read an article in the athletic they crunched the numbers now that the minor league season has done it it lopped 25 minutes on average Mm. off the the typical minor league game, and it's not less action. It's just quicker-paced action. You're not yeah. getting less bang for your buck. You are just experiencing it with a much more pleasing rhythm. And, uh, you know, I, I just anecdotally, having observed the crowds in Pensacola and on the road all season long, I see more fans sticking it out until the ninth inning. 
you want people to enjoy your product and you want them to experience your product at its best. Mm. We saw so many moments, regular season and in the playoffs, where there were exciting things happening in the eighth and ninth inning. If you're the type of fan who has to be in their car and heading home by nine o'clock, well, you might not have been there for those without the pitch clock. So uh, all of those things are why I think it's a good idea. And while it might have a, a brief adjustment period, I think it will be a change for the better. Awesome. Uh, Aaron Judge getting to... Uh, good good baseball player. <laughs> just a little bit. So he gets to 61, and I, I thought this was really interesting. I, I talked about it a little bit, but the overall recognition for Aaron, as uh, Roger Maris Jr. said, hey, if he gets to 62, he should be the all-time home run leader. I know you obviously being fully enthralled in baseball your, your entire life, passionate baseball fan, not not just broadcaster. Where, where do you land in this whole... Uh, record book deal. I know that there's been uh, Bob Costas. I played something from him yesterday on how maybe we should do the record books by era. Uh, is that actually a bad thing, or should it be all time? And we take a look at uh, if you are, if you got if you took steroids, then, then then you're not a part of it. I think these discussions are good and healthy for baseball as long as they're being provided in good faith. You know, I think you see on talk shows far less sophisticated than yours drew we have thank you we have discussions about nba uh squabbles and beefs and all that yeah baseball doesn't really have that as part of its natural conversation and so i i like the idle chat about it as where i stand um barry bonds is the all-time and single season record holder i think we should feel squeamish about that and i think we should use that unease as a reminder that Baseball is an imperfect game, mm. uh, and so while we don't necessarily have to lionize the record holders, I think recognizing what happened in our childhoods in the steroid era of baseball is an important part of the story of baseball. We don't have to feel good about it. In sure. fact, I would argue that we shouldn't feel good about it, yeah. but it's part of it, and uh, we learn and grow from those things And um, with the assumption that Aaron Judge is doing this cleanly. I have no reason to believe otherwise. Uh, I think we should recognize this for what it is, a really, really good season. And if people want to uh, ascribe meaning to it beyond what it is, then that's fine. I'll, I'll let them do it. World Series pick. I feel like it, it, you know you could go with the obvious, which would probably be Astros and Dodgers. But, mm -hmm. but uh, is there a different way that you're swaying? Um, Maybe. I mean, I don't really have rooting interests as an employee of a team, uh, but I do tend to feel sentimentally for the fan bases that have gone a long time uh, without winning, which is why mm. I, I was very happy to see the Atlanta Braves you know, celebrate after coming up short so many times in the postseason last year. Uh, I'm really excited to see what the Mariners can do in the playoffs, not having been there since 2001. I think in a short series, you know, they've got the team that could maybe surprise some people, including uh, they just recently extended former Blue Wahoos pitcher Luis Castillo. Uh, if you want a little local angle on that, Luis Castillo Absolutely. pitched here in Pensacola for that 2017 championship team. And then also having spent a couple years calling games in the Brewers minor league system, I'm a big fan of their pitching. Uh, you know, if, if they can get Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, I know has dealt with some injury concerns, but, uh, you know, Brandon Woodruff, you condense the games in the playoff series, and you can ride a couple horses all the way. We saw the Washington Nationals do that in 2019. So even though the Brewers haven't been able to put all the pieces together with some really good teams these last couple of years, you never know. This might be their year.
Spectacular stuff as always. Again, Eric Bramer, uh, voice of the Blue Wahoos. You heard him all season long. You'll be able to uh, see him out and about in Pensacola. Eric, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy the offseason. Absolutely, and uh, we're going to have that trophy on display at uh, all of the Bodacia shops on Monday, and it, it's not going anywhere. It'll be around, but if you want to get a photo with that uh, uh, Southern League Championship trophy, uh, the Blue Wahoos are going to be publicizing a little bit of a trophy tour on Monday and beyond.